Lord has laid on my heart to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Gospel of John, chapter 5. And uh, let's begin reading at verse 17. John chapter 5, verse 17 and following. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, or makes them alive, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. He sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to do, to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, 
But I know ye that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? The Lord Jesus has just finished a, a miracle, one which I think we've studied more often. We've spent time on the first part of the story of this chapter, the story of the man that uh, is at the pool of Bethesda. Sometimes we even use that as an as a illustration of baptism. <clears throat> a pool in which whoever went into it, when God, when an angel from God uh, stirred the water, could be healed. But Jesus saw someone laying there 38 years, 38 years, and who had given up all hope, who said, I, I, I'm not fast enough to get in there myself and I have no one to help me. And that's how we responded to the question, do you want to be healed? And then Jesus gave him a command. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was a Sabbath, and that became the conflict that we're, we're coming into here. So Jesus gave a command, a command that seemed impossible. Someone who was crippled 38 years. Does he ever give you commands that you think are impossible? Do you ever feel that God is calling you or asking you to do things that just are not in your realm of capability? You, you just, you can't make it happen. In asking him to rise up and, and walk, it wasn't logical. It required faith on the part of that, that man to to attempt to get up. And as he did so, immediately he was made whole and he was able to get up, to take up his bed and to walk. And I think the message for me is not to look at the wind and the waves, not to look at the obstacles, not to look at all the reasons why this doesn't make sense and is something someone else should do or someone more qualified, or some, some, something that I definitely can't do, but rather to look at Jesus and say, if he says, do it, he's going to supply the miraculous means. We're very thankful to have two souls that are, are ready for baptism, who've experienced a change that they did not effect. We sang in the song this morning what, what the word of God affected in the spirit. 
in transforming them. And these are the miracles that we have that Jesus is working in our day and age. We may not always have examples of healing, but we have examples that are undeniable, miraculous works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that power is available to anyone else who will respond to the impossible command in faith. Now, there was a conflict. We have a conflict here that he's telling him to take up his bed and walk on a day in which there was not supposed to be any work, the Sabbath day. And so there was a number of religious people who felt that this was very offensive and wanted to pin down who the troublemaker was. And, uh, but the man who was healed didn't even know it was Jesus. But Jesus comes and tells him, you've been made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And he lets the Jews know oh, that that was Jesus that has healed me. And now they're starting to persecute Jesus and to kill him because they felt he was commanding to do things contrary to their interpretation of what the law was. And that's where our reading began. Jesus answers and said, My Father worketh hitherto. He has this purpose that he is working towards. And I work. I am aligned with the work of my Father. In other words, this wasn't my idea. If you have a problem with it, you have to take it up with God. Also, he's saying that it's not And as he continues through here, he's very clear that the son does nothing of himself, but he sees the father doing. The father loves the son, shows him everything he does. And it's very clear that Jesus, he says, the son can do nothing of himself. So a few minutes ago, we were talking about the impotent man, the the sick man laying there for 38 years who could not get up. And we've talked about that before, how we are helpless in in sin and, and, and without God's intervention, there we would lie. But now here's Jesus in fully human saying, I can do nothing of myself. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus says, I can do nothing of myself. And yet sometimes we feel it's up to us to be good, to do the right thing to achieve and to fulfill the commands that God's given us, the laws that God's given us here. We think it's up to us, and and we might become very burdened. Matthew chapter 11, again, the end of the chapter, 
we often use as an invitation to those who are helpless and worn out with struggling with their own uh, sin. But I submit to you that it applies equally well to those who are struggling to live the Christian life in their own strength. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As Jesus could do nothing of himself, being our perfect example here on this earth, but being in relationship with the Father, submitting his will to the Father, saying, I do nothing of myself. I do what the Father shows me. I, every word I speak, I don't speak on my own. I say what the Father tells me to say. And as he relies on the Father and takes that yoke of the Father, the Father through him does incredible works and he says he will show greater works that you will marvel. Likewise, you can do nothing of yourself. Even if you have been baptized. The power is not in you. In, in John 15, he elaborates about the, fig, the, the, the vine and the branches, that this branch is unable to produce a, a single grape on its own. It cannot. It's only the the flow of life from the, uh, the vine itself that produces naturally this fruit. Even so, we also can rest in the Lord and we can take his yoke and submit our wills to him because we need to learn to be meek and lowly in heart and find rest for our souls. And he can do greater works. Even as here it says that Jesus will do greater works. In chapter 12 he says you will do greater works than Jesus. Because he returns to the Father. Incredible, mind-blowing verse. Of the potential that we have. If we can simply learn to do what Jesus did. He recognized his limitations and rather than striving to for control and mastery he strove to align himself with the will of the lord this morning we heard the message about the need to submit one's will the contrary of choosing to surrender your own will here also we see jesus doing that and then something that, that may uh, catch you a little bit by surprise. Jesus starts to speak about death and life. He talks about how he is the life. How God has given that power to him that he is 
the life that he can even call the dead to life. And then he speaks of the life that we have. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath eternal life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. This morning we read a very similar verse uh, in, in John 3. Let's read it again. He that believeth on him is, con- is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's talking about this, this line between life and death being unbelieving Jesus Christ. And here it talks about saved. It says, Christ, God sent a son that the world through him might be saved. And that's, that's common uh, parlance, the way we talk as Christians here in North America. We talk about the need to be saved and how Christ came to give us salvation. But I want to add something else to that, how Christ came to give us Life. Life. That through him we can have eternal life, not as some promise that after you die and at some point the trumpet will blow and you'll be raised and there will be heaven by and by. I am talking about now. He's saying that whoever hears my word and believes has present tense the everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but has passed from death to life. That transition has happened. Not because we have life in ourselves. That is what Christ has. But we can have Christ. And as we learn to rest in his power and his life living through us as the branch abides in the vine, depends on the vine, recognizes its own inability, like Jesus was unable to do the works on own, that we recognize our inability. And instead of in frustration, striving, we learn to rest and come and take the yoke and allow Christ to do in us what we could never do ourselves. What is impossible for us to do to actually live a victorious Christian life. The Christian life changes from being one of of guilt, of shame, of struggle, of repeated failure into one of discovery, of joy, of finding Christ doing in us what we never thought possible. Indeed, that was our experience as we came to know God. In the very beginning, I can remember that the incredible experience of, of after surrendering my will to the Lord and entering into a communication with him and then all of a sudden discovering that things had changed inside of me, my attitude, my love, the things. I did not change those things. And then God would send me on errands that 
I wouldn't have chosen, but that he made possible and that he worked things out and it was an adventure and a joy and a thrill. And the works are far more marvelous because they're not they're not the scheming and product of, of man's talent and man's manipulation, but the surprising work of the Holy Spirit. Life. There may be people around you that resist the gospel. But sometimes we may portray the gospel in terms of you have sinned, Christ has died in your place. Accept his sacrifice and, and, and repent and turn to him. But we don't continue on to the, the indwelling Son of God who gives us a victorious life, who calls us to raise up from the dead because he is in us as Death could not contain him in the grave. It cannot keep him down in yourself. If you believe his word, and these are his words, that this is the victory that he has promised. These are the promises he's given us. His accusation, his, his beef, if you will, with the Jews is that I have evidence here. You can see the evidence of John's testimony. You can see the evidence of of the of, of, um my own um, miracles that obviously are from God. And you can see the evidence of the word of God, which you trust in, because you believe that the word of God, search scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So it's a dangerous place to know the word of God, And then come to a point and say, yeah, but I don't accept that. To to edit, to suppress, to not allow the full implications of that word for you. Because it will command or ask you to do things that you are not comfortable doing. They wanted a temporal savior. They wanted someone to kick out the Romans and reestablish them here and now. We want a God who's going to solve our problems here and now. Who's going to solve our issues, whether it's school, work, relationships. We've got problems and we figure God can solve them and we want those problems solved. But God's not interested in tweaking those details that may not bring us to a better place. He wants to solve the root problem. He wants to give you life, not a lifelong struggle. Yes, to be a Christian means to engage in a battle, to struggle against spiritual forces. It's not one of ease, but it's not a battle and a struggle that we wage in our own strength. And that is why I think there is a lot of defeated people, discouraged people, who don't need to be. 
and why Christ is crying out and saying, Come unto me, you that are heavy laden and burdened by carrying things you were never intended to carry. Come to me, and I will give you rest, and I will be the life. You don't have to do, you need to let me do in you a transformation. Produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace that this world desperately wants to see. This world is hollow. They may not accept the implications of the law, that they're guilty. They may have many defenses set up to block out the accusation that they are morally at fault. And they redefine morality and come up with many elaborate ways to avoid the implications that they are sinners separated from God. But they cannot avoid the implications that they feel hollow. They feel empty. And they're looking for something that is real life because they know they don't have it. And my challenge to you, my dear brother and sister, and to myself first of all, is to allow Christ to live through me that a watching world can see the difference, to see that there is life in us, not to my glory or credit in any way, but merely getting out of the way so that Christ can live through me and a watching world of hollow people can find a water that will satisfy their thirst that they're dying from. Number 176. Any particular verses? The first three verses.
Almighty God and Heavenly Father. We have come here like Nicodemus, Father, except during the daytime. Because we also, we know, Father, and we have come to hear thy words, that it may go beyond the knowing, so that thy words may ride into our hearts and souls, Father, to change our lives, so that we may believe, Father, thy message, which thou hast written on us. Father, we want to give thee thanks for the opportunity to be exposed to thy word once again. For willing servants, Father, to, con to express their deepest thoughts, Father, thy thoughts that thou hast given and put on their lips, Father, that what we have heard may change our lives, that may give us power, Father, from above, Thy Spirit, Father, to empower us to live lives that are pleasing unto Thee. Father, we thank Thee that we have this opportunity, this access to Thee, Father, this exposure that can lift us up, Father, that give us strength and make us heirs of thy promise. Father, to be members of thy family. We cannot thank thee enough for this privilege. And we ask thee, Father, to abide with us as we part from each other. And let us not forget what we have heard here today. Father, we ask thee to Watch out over us. Protect us from harm and evil, not only from, to our bodies, but also to our soul. And we have confidence, Father, and great comfort knowing that we are safe in the arms of Jesus, that thou will keep our minds provided we give them to thee for safekeeping. And we ask thee to give us obedient hearts to do what we have heard, that we may actually, Father, be obedient children, so that we may hear and see thy face when we finally have ended our duties here, Father, when thou hast called us. And we thank thee, Father, that we don't have to worry, that we don't have to be anxious because we know when we're in thy will, Father, that everything is going to work out for our best. For thou hast loved us, Father, from the beginning. 
when we didn't even exist. Thou hast a plan for us. Thou hast prepared for us. And we are grateful for this provision. And we thank thee, Father, again for bringing us together here in this house of prayer to sing praises unto thee, to be taught of thee. We bring, Father, our gratitude to thee. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Good brother, please choose closing hymn. In 249, the first three and the seventh verses.
This afternoon, the Lord has spoken to us of a light, a life that is available to everyone. That we don't have to live joyless, hollow lives of pursuing and never finding the things we truly seek. But rather, that Jesus is the life. He has come to set us free. He has come that we can live a life more abundant. A life that is is truly full. I invite everyone to take his invitation and to come to him, to rest in him and allow him to do, to raise you up despite the impotency and to allow you to walk in freedom and in joy. May the Lord add to his word that we'd conclude this afternoon's service.